I'm going to invite uh, David back up soon as the spirit moves. I want him to pray for our government this morning. I was recently in another Rhema church in Noonan, Georgia, Abundant Life Faith Church. And uh, he said, I decided to put faith in the name of my church because I wanted people to know before they came that it wasn't just Abundant Life, but it's a faith church. (laughs) And um, one of the sessions, the Lord said, I want you, hey, Mark, Oh, praise God. Yeah, so glad to see Mark and, and uh, I guess Linda's at work. Oh, okay. You know, we have to, have to um, go to the marketplace with our face, the glow of the Lord shining on our faces. And Carolyn Bryant, I'm so glad that she's here. And um, these are people that I go way, way back with, uh, I won't tell you how long, but uh, don't we look good, Carolyn? I mean, look at us. <laughs> you know, God is God. Hallelujah. And Lori Dennington, and of course, she was a child when I met her. She was a child bride. <laughs> And now she's a grandmother. Oh, my goodness. What about that, Lord? And, um, and of course, you know, you know, my history, some of my history with David and, and Robin. And um, so, you know, David and Robin, that Jan confirmed what the Lord told me about you two. I told I said to her one day, I said, you know, there's a couple in your church that aren't together yet, supposed to be together, and she knew already. So, <laughs> I love the way God works, you know, and uh, it's just, it's wonderful. But anyway, <clears throat> back to Noonan, um, the Lord said, I want you to do a prayer workshop, and that man, he wanted us to be active. He wanted everybody to become active that morning and um, in prayer. I've gone to so many prayer conferences and I've had prayer seminars and we just teach and teach and teach and teach and teach, but we pray very little. But that is why we have the conference, why we have the seminar is to teach and train people how to pray effectively. And uh, we don't like to think about uh, warfare, but we are in a warfare between righteousness and unrighteousness, between darkness and and light. And, um, you know, when people go to war, they have strategies. There is a manual that um, the military uses, and it's, uh, evidently very simple. I have never read it. I've just uh, heard the, the nine principles taught from uh, a military manual. And what has dawned on me in the body of Christ is that we have not taught our people the nine steps of warfare. 
the non-principles of warfare. And we just expect people, I, I guess we just think people just ought to know how to do it. But I didn't know how to pray. And I grew up in a home where prayer was practiced. Uh, my parents prayed with us um, three times a day. And um, uh, when I was in school, we got to go home for lunch. So that was a good while ago. And... Uh, <clears throat> And I, it was always a treat when my uh, dad would give me the money so I could go down and buy me, uh, he'd give me 50 cents and I could go get me a hamburger and a Coke. I mean, yeah, I've been around a while. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so I grew up in a home where prayer was practiced. But I don't ever remember being taught the principles of prayer. And, um, and I, I remember as a teenager, while my dad and mom prayed, uh, I would be going over material for a test the next day. I mean, I just wasn't into what they were doing. This is what they did, and we had to kneel down. And then at the end of their prayer time, we all said the Lord's Prayer together. And uh, so, <clears throat> um, I, just by way of a test testimony here, uh, I didn't want anything to do with speaking in tongues. I thought that was weird. Uh, I couldn't see any purpose in it. Um, it was just gibberish. And I may have shared with you last year why I decided I would go and get baptized in the Holy Spirit so one of my dad's uh, members could eat because she came to our door and told my mom, and I heard her. I was 14 years old, and she said, I am not going to eat another meal until Jermaine gets baptized in the Holy Spirit and speaks with tongues. Well, growing up in that Pentecostal church, I'd seen a lot of people pray to get baptized in the Holy Spirit and not speak in tongues. So I didn't know if, you know, I was going to be able to achieve what was required so Elsie could pray. I mean, could eat. <laughs> and so I went to the church. I had to go to the church to get baptized in the Holy Spirit in those days. And so... Mother and Sister Elsie, and I saw her, I think it was last year or year before, and I said, Sister Elsie, I tell about you all over the world. <laughs> and um, so Mother and Sister Elsie and I went to the church, the unair-conditioned church, and it was in the summer. And um, <clears throat> so they opened the windows and... We knelt down at the altar, just the three of us. That's not what was there, but we went to the altar. And uh, so uh, they prayed for me, and I had one, on, one of them on one side saying, hold on, and I had one on the other side saying, D um, let go, hold on, let go. And I didn't know how to do either one. And then I was instructed to say glory, glory, glory as fast as I could. And, uh, and I ended up just saying glow, 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 because I got so tired. 
And they let me rest just a little bit, you know. And then they told me to say hallelujah as fast as I could. Well, I'm already tired, and I'm hot, and I'm sweaty. And so, finally, I just put my head on the altar. You know, I was down to loo, loo, loo. <laughs> and I put my head on the altar, and I said, Oh, God, I guess Sister Elsie's just not going to get to eat. <laughs> I want to tell you, if that night, the wind of God, and, and there wasn't a breeze. It was hot. But the wind of the Holy Spirit came in, and I began to speak in a language I had not lear uh, learned. That was a wonderful experience, but I didn't have the understanding of why, and, uh, why speak in tongues. And I didn't get an interpretation, and so I didn't know what I was saying. I didn't know the purpose. So we have to have teaching and training. Yes. Yes. And um, then when I went into ministry, the first person I prayed for to get baptized in the Holy Spirit, she was a good Presbyterian girl. And uh, I tried all those tactics with her that Mother tried, and Sister Elsie tried with me. And, uh, and we all got tired. And I went home and I said, God, unless you t show me how to pray for people, be, be baptized in the Holy Spirit, I'm just not going to do that anymore. So that's when he said, you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit exactly like you receive your salvation. It's by faith. And I had to tell uh, people, I'd say, some people would just get two syllables. I'd say, you just keep practicing those two syllables. Just keep practicing. I had a school teacher call me one day. She would come to my Bible study during the summer. And uh, she said, I was driving down 85. And she said, I was doing what you told me to do. I was practicing those two syllables that, you know, I'd gotten. And she said, all of a sudden, she said, there was just a flow of a language that I had never heard before, had never learned. And she received by faith. It wasn't an emotional experience. And uh, my dad, thank God, he did teach us about the present-day ministry of the Holy Spirit. And it's not just to give us goosebumps, you know, and chills. And, and, and I love experiences. I, I love having experiences with the Holy Spirit. I mean, there's nothing like that. Uh, but, you know, we can't live on that. Can't live on those experiences. Understanding will keep us. And so... I was so thankful that my dad taught us that the Holy Ghost was not Cas like Casper the Ghost, that he was the third person of the Godhead. He was a, he's a person. And he comes in, and uh, my dad didn't teach on prayer, though. He was a student of the Bible. He was word, word, word. Uh, I, I, I thought, I could do, uh, is it word, spirit? Yeah. I thought, I could do those conferences because I had a daddy. 
I had a daddy that was word, word, word. And he didn't tell many experiences. He would never have taken the time I did to share my experience with you. He got up and he taught word, word, word. And someone asked me the other day, I said, do you have your dad's uh, sermons? I said, no, because this was uh, his outline. I said he would uh, have an outline. He would have uh, his uh, scripture, the title, his scripture, and then he'd have three points. And I said, he didn't elaborate on them. He just, you know, it was just a little piece of paper like that. And I said, so no, I don't have them, except I have them in my heart. And I have them on tape. One of these days I'm going to find those tapes. So, uh, So anyway, but my mother knew the Holy Spirit. And she was all about spirit, spirit, spirit. And she would say, the only word I know is what your daddy teaches. And so she brought those two together. She didn't start uh, actually studying the word of God until uh, her fourth child was, you know, uh, in high school and uh, out, out of high school, really. But she knew the spirit. And sometimes when we get home from church, she'd say, Buck, You went past what the Spirit wanted to do in the service tonight. He didn't like that. But anyway. (laughs) So, uh, but, you know, they saw, uh, let's see, they would have been married 64 years in July of 1996. And she passed away on May the 15th, before then. And and, um, so, you know, they learned to work together. But she said, I could have been such a help to your daddy if he would have listened to me. (laughs) (laughs) So I grew up with the Word and the Spirit. And one day it dawned on me after I just... I could hardly wait to get my children out of the door, and my husband out of the door, and the baby in her crib every day, so I could just have my time with my God. Because God had come into my kitchen the day that I planned my suicide. And um, that was uh, 44, about... 43 years ago now. And we have to have the teaching, but we, and we have to have the understanding, and we have to learn how to hear the voice of God. And so that's the only way we're going to understand and know the signs of the times. And I'm... I listened to uh, some of my Christian friends, and, and I just, I, I just wish I could package what God's done in my life and just put it in them. You know, I wish I could just feed it to them because they're just they're still oblivious about what's going on. And it's sort of whatever will be, will be. No, 
God has his church here in the earth. And the church is what's standing between the judgment of God and and this country. Because I want to tell you, uh, we are almost up to killing 60 million babies in this country since 1973. I think that was more than were killed in the Holocaust. I mean, we have been candidates for the judgment that's on murder to fall on this country for years. So the church is who's standing between that judgment and the people. And we are in a very crucial time in our country. God wants us as the body of Christ to answer the call to pray and pray prayers of activation for our leaders. I wish, you know, I, I wish that I could get to some of these leaders But I want to tell you, this book is in the hand of some of our leaders, government leaders. And I'm praying, because I've heard testimony after testimony, they say, you know, somebody gave me your book, and I I didn't even look at it. And and then one day, you know, I was just, I needed some help from God, and I found your book. I don't even know how I found it. One woman said, I found your book at a yard sale and paid 25 cents for it. And it transformed my life. I said, well, hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. I hope it helped that woman that sold it to you for 25 cents. You know? Lord. So you know what? This book is hiding out somewhere in apartments in Washington, D.C., and uh, homes in Washington, D.C., yeah. and I believe that they're going to be unearthed, and those leaders in Washington, D.C. are going to start praying prayers that avail much. Let me have some of my coconut water. If y'all don't know about coconut water, it'll hydrate you. You know, it's really good for you. Can I add something real quick, Jermaine, because it fits right in here? Uh, I found out last night there's a young man that we know. He was in the service last night. He works for uh, Congressman Tom Graves. And uh, he, got, he got that book for Congressman Graves last year when you were here. And, he, and you, I think you signed yep. it for yep. him. Yeah, I think I gave did. It to him. He, he told me that the congressman came to him just a few months ago. And he said, Dave, he said, I finally, I finally got around to looking at that book and, and reading it. He said, those prayers in there, they've helped me. They've helped me in some situations I've been dealing with. Praise so, God. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Most government leaders aren't out there looking for, you know, for this. But God knows how to get it to them. And and like I told you yesterday morning, Lane Holland, the co-author, and I want to tell you, uh, one reason I asked Lane to co-author this with me, she knows God, first and foremost. And um, Lane... um, was a professor at Yale University. She uh, was um, trained in 
lobbying, so she, you know, she was involved in uh, Washington um, and had many, many friends in government. And uh, so she and I co-authored this, and I forgot why I was telling you that. But that's how, that's how we got uh, this book. Oh, and then she and I signed enough books and, and put, put the names of the members of the Black Caucus in, in, in each book, signed it, and, uh, and so they are in Washington. They're in Washington. And I'm praying that the eyes of our understanding will be enlightened in the body of Christ today. And I want to tell you, we have to vote on Christian principles. We have to. We have to look at the fruit of, of, of people who are running Amen. As go, uh, for government positions. Amen. We have to look at the fruit yeah. of their everyday life, who they associate with, who they sat under, uh-huh. what they've taught, what they've believed, and how they have acted and played out their beliefs in their everyday life. We have have to vote. We have to be knowledgeable. Now, sometimes I watch too much news. I don't know if you ever get caught up in that, but once in a while I do that. And I have to, you know, pull back and just say, Lord, I want to hear what you've got to say. Forgive me for spending so much time over here listening to the uh, uh, news reporters and to the pundits. And the reason I listen is because we need to be knowledgeable. Yes, we do. Sure. There are so many lies out there. And I want to tell you, truth will endure forever. Lies only endure for a season. We're told that in the book of Proverbs. So we must know and understand truth. If we're going to pray for our government leaders, pray for our uh, pastors, pray for uh, ministers who are in leadership, if we're going to uh, pray for business leaders, we have to do it according to knowledge with the help of the Holy Spirit. Yesterday, I mentioned that this country has had two great awakenings. And uh, I just want to uh, review that just a little bit because uh, uh, I, I like to be accurate on what I'm sharing. But the first great awakening was uh, 1700 to the 1760s during that time. And it was after uh, the French-Indian War. And uh, the colonists up in the, that northeast area were just devastated. Um, and they, and see what had happened when the pilgrims came in, they came in 
and, uh, and had pure horrors. But over time, uh, you know, there became a hodgepodge of uh, doctrine and, and people began to uh, separate, divide Christians according to their doctrines. And um, by the late 1600s, there were uh, ministers who became greatly concerned about the moral and spiritual decay that they were seeing in those colonists. These people were devastated by this war. And they began, these men, these ministers began preaching about the need for purification of the church. I want to tell you, we need to pay attention to the history of our church. It is time again, once again, for purification in the church. And uh, prayers that avail much, I, I think I have three different prayers in there on purification. And uh, my editor who was working, Donna, who was working for me at the time, she said, wow, you're big on this purity thing. And I said, uh, yes, I am. I said, God's serious about us having a pure heart and about us living a pure life. And looking forward to the coming of the Lord is one thing that will keep us pure. See, I haven't heard a lot in the last few years about the coming of the Lord. But I want to tell you, his coming is near. The day of the Lord is near. And if you really believe that, how do you think you would live your life? If you really and truly believe, you know, he can come tomorrow. What would you do? Wouldn't we want him to find us faithful with pure hearts? These ministers began praying diligently for God to do something that they couldn't do, to do something that their preaching was not doing. And this was some of what they prayed, that God would turn sluggish and secular hearts and minds toward Christ. So I said, Lord, we need that in our church. We need that happening in our church. We need you to open the hearts and the minds of the people. See, people have to have a paradigm shift in their thinking. But it only comes about by revelation. So, in, 19, in 1675, uh, well, that was the war in, in, uh, that came about. But after the war, a growing number of people devoted themselves to prayer and fasting. In the first great, a spiritual awakening was birthed. And it began around the uh, 1700. A man by the name of Jonathan Edwards, who uh, recognized God was shaking his town and his community, literally and spiritually, 
I believe that's what's happening to us today. God is shaking his uh, church. God is shaking this nation. God is shaking our communities. God is shaking our homes. But Jonathan Edwards believed the Bible. And he started teaching and practicing 1 Corinthians 7, 4, uh, 1 Chronicles 7:14. If my people, God said, who are called by, by my name. This was not to the world, this was to God's people. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, repent of the evil, and turn from their wicked ways. He's talking to his people. And what we have allowed, we have allowed idols. We have, you know, I, sometimes I'll say, when I go on Facebook, because I, I usually go on it every morning, I say, God, I don't want this to become an idol in my life now. <laughs> I want you to go on Facebook with me, Lord. Are you going on Facebook with me? If you're not, I don't want to do it. <laughs> And some people talk about, you know, this horrible stuff they have on their Facebook page. I said, I ain't had much of that. I've had a little. And I said, I just go and unfriend them and report them is what I do. And, and, one, and one minister said, oh, but I want to keep them coming, so maybe I can change them. Uh-uh, you're not going to change them on Facebook. Come on. <laughs> you just pray for the Lord of the harvest. To send somebody to those uh, vulgar, nasty people that want to shock you because you're a minister. And just pray for them and turn them over to God. And unfriend them. God didn't, God didn't assign them to me. So, hallelujah. I mean, you've got to use wisdom. You've got to operate in wisdom. I'm telling you, you, uh, you know, this is my last chance, so if I go over, will you forgive me? We got to three o'clock. That's three. You gave me permission. When I was learning about prayer, and I'm still learning, but in the beginning, I went to every prayer group I could find. I mean, it didn't matter what denomination it was. They had a prayer group. I went to that prayer group. And, uh, you know, I'd been in, living in Atlanta, and I just grew up with Atlanta, and I went, you know, all kinds of places. I never thought about being afraid. And, and so I would go. I saw some of the flakiest things take place. I'll tell you what I learned go, uh, going to all of these prayer groups. I learned mostly what not to do. <laughs> and then, I, you know, I sat under this teaching that said, uh, if we want the devil to understand us, we have to talk in the language of the devil. I, I didn't read that in the Bible, did you? <laughs> 
In fact, there's certain things we don't even let him, need to let him in on. That's right. I mean, we need, you know, the church needs to consider practicing surprises for him. <laughs> I mean, I heard some of the most off-the-wall, kooky stuff about prayer. And my dad, I thank God for his wisdom. And um, he had, now I was uh, young at this time. I was like maybe two, three years old when this happened. But um, he was pastoring a church here in Georgia, and uh, he had a women's prayer uh, group that prayed every week. They met every week in a certain home. And he said one morning he was up, because he didn't go to the women's prayer group. But one day the Lord spoke to him and said, you need to go over to Sister So-and-So's house and uh, check out what they're doing in that prayer group. And he got over there, they had built this huge fire in this pot-bellied stove. Now, I know some of you don't know what that is. I bet you can Google it and see it. And, and, and they had this huge fire going. And, they, and those, some of those women were opening the door to that and sticking their heads in that fire. He said God was merciful, and he protected those women. He said, but believe me, we got it stopped. They were, they were proving the power of God. The Bible said, don't tempt the Lord your God. I mean, I mean there's serious, kooky stuff. I love what one of my friends uh, teaches. And she, uh, when she and her husband went to Ramah, and it was, wasn't too long after it started, and uh, she started sending me tapes by Brother Hagen that, uh, you know, wasn't out in the general public. It was things he was teaching his students. And, uh, and I, had, I had been to some of his meetings. Several, every time he came to Atlanta, you know, they, people stayed away by the groves, but I went, by the droves. <clears throat> but I was there, and, uh, and I heard all his stories. So when Donna started sending me his tapes, I said, God, I've already heard all these stories. Why do you want me to listen to all of this again? He said, I want you to catch the spirit of this man. A man who knows, who knew God, and is today seeing him face to face. <laughs> I believe he's praying for this meeting. <laughs> He's part of that great cloud of witnesses he used to talk about. Of course, I heard things on, on those tapes that, that I didn't hear, you know, in, in uh, the general meetings. And I just said, Lord, I want that heart. So I didn't get to go to Ramah, but I got to partake of what you guys learned at Ramah. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. But anyway, Donna had this teaching, and she says, the more spiritual you become, the more natural you are. Mm 
I want you all to hear that. If you go out there in the marketplace, trying, you know, to convert people to God, and some days you can't go in because God had you staying up all night to pray and intercede, and you just couldn't go in, you know, the next morning. That's not God. If God keeps you up all night praying, he'll give you the energy and the power to go to work the next day and, and do your work as unto the Lord. You'll be the best employee you can be. You'll be on time. That's right. See, our everyday life has an effect on our prayer life. And I'm not going to go out and just live any old way and just, uh, you know, not maintain my walk with God and get my prayers answered. Amen. You see, when we sin, we need to ask for forgiveness and get it and and, and get a quick quick download of forgiveness. And then you can always come before God confidently. You can come before him with confidence. If you keep his commandment, what is it? It's twofold. Believe on the name of the Son of God and love one another. The second great awakening was from 1800 to 1850s, and that followed the Revolutionary War. I asked the Lord not long ago, I said, why do you have me reading? And and, and actually, it was a historical novel, but this woman had done incredible research on, you know, in that time. I said, why do you have me reading about the Revolutionary War and what went on there. And actually, most of it was factual. But she used, you know, this fictional story to get these facts across. You know, Jesus, uh, Jesus used stories to get his principles across to the people so they could understand it. And I did not realize the decay the moral decay that was in our country, in the colonists during that time. Uh, Thomas Paine proclaimed that Christianity was dead during, you know, and I mean, it, uh, but America was about to experience her second awakening. We had men like Francis Asbury. Now, if you're a Methodist, and from a Methodist background, you know who that is. There's Asbury College. Um, Timothy Dwight, who brought about a spiritual awakening as the president of Yale University. Y'all, he prayed and he taught those students the Bible. Unashamedly, unapologetically. 
and students started getting born again. <laughs> you know, and uh, many, many ministries, yeah. ministers came out yeah. of that university. And Charles Finney was another man that God raised up. And uh, I just read that Asbury and Finney represented the most visible religious movement between the Revolution and the Civil War. Now, is America ready to experience a third awakening? We have to have it. We have to have it. I am praying for God to stir up his church so that we can unite so we can make room for one another, so that the Pentecostals can make room for the Baptists and for the Methodists and for the Presbyterians and for the Episcopalians. Y'all, I go into these different uh, denominations and teach on prayer. I've even gone into the Catholic Church and taught their women's groups who, had, uh, who were praying. We have to come together. The Episcopalians taught me about communion and what it meant. You know, communion was almost like an afterthought in our church. At least, that may not be the way it was presented, but that's the way I received it. You know, it's just something we did, you know, once a quarter or at, at the end of the service. And I went to that Episcopal retreat, and I saw they had one cup up there. You know, we all had our little individual cups. And it was grape juice, Welch's grape juice. That was, you know. And I went to that Episcopal (laughs) retreat. And before I got there, I realized that wasn't grape juice. <laughs> you know, we, had, we went down to the altar to receive it. And at first I thought, you know, I, I said, Lord, I know that you'll sanctify the realm of that cup before I turn it up. I was so relieved to find out they, you know, they'd give me the little wafer to dip. Yeah. I don't believe that's the way Jesus did it, but, but anyway, <laughs> I just, you know, but. And then I began to study Catholicism. Now, don't y'all fall off your seat. And all you ex-Catholics, just hold on, you know. And you good Baptists, it's okay. They're Catholics. They're really and truly born again and are going to heaven. I had those, you know, I had those Catholic women come into my Bible studies and Oh, and I'm telling you, they challenged me because it didn't matter what I said, they believed it. That's why they were trained. <laughs> but it, it frightened me because I knew I was going to have to give an account to God for anything I taught them. Yeah. Of course, then I had the Baptists sitting over there, and they were going to ask me for three scriptures to prove what I was saying. <laughs> so they challenged me too. They all made me study. You know, I, I had to go in one time. I realized 
Some of these women don't know what I'm talking about when I talk about the new birth. When I talk, from, we teach from John 3.16 and, and, you know, and all that. They, so one day I went in and I taught on the new birth. I had, some, I had one of those Catholic women. She was six feet tall and she had 12 children. She was real, honest goodness, Catholic. Okay? And she came up. She said, oh, that's what happened to me when I was six years old and received confirmation. She said, from that day forward, I have loved Jesus. And Jesus has been so real. But she said, we didn't call it the new birth. We just called it confirmation. Others said, oh, that's what happened to me when I was 12 years old. We just didn't call it new birth. We need to talk to one another and listen to one another. Because God intended for his church to be one. Jesus came and he brought peace. And he intended for us. Well, the Bible says he, he created one new man. And we need one another. I'll tell you what the Catholics taught me. They taught me an appreciation for what Jesus did on the cross for his suffering. Oh, God. I want you to know I went and bought a cross and put it up in my prayer cottage. Because then, you know, we went through a movement where, hey, we're on this side of the cross. Well, thank God we are. I appreciate that. But then it was as though, you know, we had to discard all of this. Now, old rugged cross. You know, you know what the Catholics taught me? They taught me to appreciate the sufferings and the death of my Jesus. We can learn from one another. And then, you know, I thought that we Pentecostals had praise and worship down pretty good. But then God started opening up doors for me in the African-American community. I want to tell you, they were buying our books by the hundreds. And, and Jan Duncan, that some of you know, she uh, was uh, my personal assistant at that time. She said, do you know the next big move of God? And this is for Creflo Dollar, as far as I'd ever heard of Fred Price or all those. She said, you know where the next move of God's coming? I said, where? She said, the African-American church. I said, why are you saying that? She said, because that's who's ordering these books. Well, I want to tell y'all, you know what the African-American church taught me. Now, I, now I've had African-Americans come in and say, now, I didn't grow up in that kind of church. But I want to tell you, they taught me freedom of worship. Amen. I saw dance companies <laughs> trained in ballet. Oh, my goodness, sin, sin, sin. That's sin. I couldn't believe it. I mean, I was sitting on the front row. And here came these. Now, I want to tell you something. Some churches need to teach their dancers how to dress. Yeah. Yeah. 
they, they knew how to dress. They knew how to usher us into the throne room of God. I experienced a freedom. And you know, once in a while, somebody out there would just get overcome, consumed with their worship. And I would see a group of women just go and isolate that person. They didn't stop her. It was usually women's groups. They didn't stop her, but they would just form a circle round about her. And they just let her shake under the power of God. They just let her, you know, just do what she and God were doing. And I thought, wow. You know, we would have, have somebody take them to the back room. They, don't, they didn't do that. And I was invited to a church and for, to do a prayer conference. You know what time they had that prayer conference? 6 a.m. I said, you, you mean 6 in the evening? They said, no, 6 a.m. Y'all, that's morning. They said, we want the people in our church to be able to come before they go to work. I want to tell you something. I saw submission to authority in those African-American churches that I have not seen. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, white guys, but I can say this because I'm a white guy. We don't have that kind of submission across the board because we all want to be the head honcho. This is not at all what I was going to teach on today. But y'all, the call is going forth through the body of Christ. Come together. Come together. Come together. Come together. I saw those Muslims unite in prayer. I saw them come and pray the same thing five times a day while I was in those Muslim countries. They were faithful. They came. We're praying to a living God. We're praying to a God who hears and answers prayer. We are praying to a God who will intervene in our country and turn things around. Are you going to pray? All right, I am going to just go to a part of what I had today for today. And then I want David to come up and pray for our government. Pray for our media. Our media. We need Christian anchor men and anchor women in our media. On television. Radio. Writing in magazines. We need people who will tell the truth and whose minds are not biased, but who speak the truth. 
There are some of you, and I said I was going to uh, talk about prayer assignments. There are some of you, God wants to assign you to pray for the media. You'll start looking at the media with different eyes. Get prepared. God may open a door in that arena for you. We're not being told what goes on, what's going on in our world today. I got an email today from Cindy Jacobs. Some of you may know her. And uh, she sent it out to uh, the members of Deborah Company. And um, our churches in Iraq, there are churches in Iraq, but they're being burned down. She said the media is not reporting what is going on. So much is hidden. Our government hides so much from us. But I want to tell you, we got a line to the one who knows everything. We have a line to the one that has the answers and who does not want to pour out judgment on this country. Y'all, God's not into that. God's into mercy and grace and truth. Excuse me, salvation. So rain down salvation on our nation, oh God. And when I think about the abortion that's taken place, and now same-sex marriage is already being legalized in some of our states. God, help us. Over the years, I've had lesbians and um, homosexuals who have come and sat under my teaching. And I've had opportunity to talk with them. One thing I assure them of is that God loves them. One man, graduate of ORU, and I love him. And I wanted him to be my associate pastor when I was pastoring church. And he looked at me and he said, you don't want me to you don't want me. And it was only a few weeks later he left his wife and his child and went to live with his partner. And he nursed his partner through AIDS. His partner died and then he... I said, what are you going to do with the scriptures? He said, I don't talk about that. Jesus loves me, and I love him. And I pray for that man today. And if, if he walks in and sees me anywhere, he comes and hugs me. We have to love the person. They, if they don't know that we care about them, we cannot minister to them. Prayer is based and rooted and grounded in relationship. And we have to establish relationships with the love of God. In the body of Christ, we haven't understood what love is. What that love is. And we haven't known how to treat one another. Especially those who don't agree with us. I thank God for every person I agree with and every person I disagree with. Because they both make me seek God. See, we're all, we, we can be deceived. Yeah. 
That's one of my prayers. Lord, keep me in truth. Okay. David, come on up because my time is up. And I, I didn't get to that part. And I was going to 1 Timothy 2. And I was going to talk to you about praying as we've been instructed. And see, God has imparted faith to you. And it's the faith of the Son of God. And because of that faith, you can live with a clear conscience, walking purely and uprightly before God. Not to earn anything from Him, but just because you love Him. Because of that, Paul says, pray. Offer up pray, uh, supplications first. That means offer up requests to God, petitions to God. And I'm not going to, I, I was going to teach you on each one of these. I'm not going to take the time. Offer up prayers to God. You know, there's a difference in prayer, offering prayers and intercession. I can pray for you, but when I intercede for someone, and one man told about a, a young girl who came to him, and she said, you know, my fiancé is going uh, to Iraq, and, and uh, I don't know how to pray for him. He said, well, you can either pray for him or you can intercede for him. And she said, oh. She said, he said, now you can just, you know, ask God to bless him, ask God to protect him, or you can intercede for him by getting between him and the devil. She said, I think I'll just pray for him. But an intercessor is one who stands in the gap and builds up the hedge, which this prayer uh, conference is based on. And offer thanksgiving for all men. And the whole purpose of this, when you read on down through that chapter, is God's desire that all men might be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. But I want to tell you, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. David, would you pray? For our government leaders, would you stand please? Do I have your book or do you want it? Um, Just a couple things is actually uh, into President Barack Obama's third year um, before I actually called him president. And if calling him president stirs something up on the inside of you, gives you that little mm. feeling, you need to start praying for that man and calling him the title that he is walking in. God convicted me of that big time because he is the president. And I think one of the reasons that the media is in the situation is, the education system is, the government is, is because the body of Christ has fallen down on our job, which is to cover them in prayer. It's our responsibility. And so now when I pray for President Barack Obama, and I do pray for him, I call him by name with his title, just like Paul said, I am an apostle. 
he has been elected the president right. of this nation. So I pray for President Barack Obama for wisdom, for his eyes to be open, for his ears to hear, for God to visit him in the night hours. President Barack Obama and, Michelle, and First Lady Michelle have this book in their possession. Okay, it has been given to them. Believe me, we need to be praying for that man, and we need to be praying and finding out who we are praying for. John Barge, if you don't know who that is, you need to find out. He is actually the school superintendent over the state of Georgia. He is a praying man. When you enter into his office, you can feel the presence of God in his office. That's the man that is in charge of the education system in the state of Georgia. We need to be praying for these people. These positions need to be filled by godly men and women from the head all the way down. And God will establish the people when we do our job. And I'm going to tell you, don't tell me you do not have time to pray. Um, just like mom said, I was in the Muslim, I've been in Muslim countries. I have seen a man, when the call came, he stopped. He was, he was literally walking down the stairs and he hit the little platform to turn and go down the other stairs. That man stopped. He knelt right there, faced east, and prayed. And we here in America say, well, I don't have time. If you drive somewhere, you have time. Turn your radio off. I don't care if you are listening to a Christian CD, getting more word in you. Yes, we need to be doing that. Be praying along our roadways. Be praying for God's peace, God's love, God's anointing to be upon our roadways. Everywhere we go, we should leave a trail of words, of vibrations of love in God everywhere we go. So, um, anyway, I am going to pray for our government. If you have this book, you may want to and open. Just like I told Mom, I'm going to pray the prayer that is for the seven mountains. And we're all called to pray for one of these mountains, if not all of them. I don't know. We're all called. We all have a stirring in our heart, either for a family, for government, for media, for entertainment. There's something in your heart that God's placed there. There's a gift on the inside of you that will ignite. Um, young people, pray for your school. Pray for the school systems. Um, but anyway, I just, uh, I'm going to actually read the first little two statements here. And one's by Billy Graham. And it says, if America is to survive, we must elect more God-centered men and women to public office. Amen. And we've got to do that. It is our responsibility to get yes. out and vote. Yes. Yes. And we have to know who we're voting for. We can't vote party, okay? We've got to know the moral values behind right. these men and women. Right. And it's our responsibility to educate the people that are with us, the people that we know. So um, the other one is by Martin Luther, and he says, I am much afraid that schools will prove to be the great gates of hell unless they diligently labor in explaining the Holy Scriptures, engraving them in the hearts of our youth. 
I got a heart for you, so. I advise no one to place this child where the scriptures do not reign paramount. If you are a parent, you have a voice in your school. You have a voice in your school. God can be taught in school. The Holy Scriptures can be taught in school. Don't bind to the lies that have come forth. They can be. There's plenty of ways out there. If you don't know and don't know how to find out, get your child to Google it, and there is plenty of educated material out there to where we can get the Holy Scriptures taught in the school. So now we're going to pray for the government. Thank you, Father. My Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, that you give us leaders who know how to cultivate the ground of this nation. Leaders who want to prepare our nation for the advancement of the kingdom of God and not their own name. We thank you for men and women who do not desire to be famous, but to be faithful, Father. Pursuing righteousness and justice with boldness and uncompromising adherence to your word. I thank you, Father, for leaders who will esteem you with humble and contrite spirits, those who tremble at your word. Father, we thank you that when these elected, uh, um, when they take elected offices, these men and women will rise above double-mindedness. Yes. They will walk in God's calling yeah. upon their lives. Yeah. They will be balanced officials who aren't wrapped up in calculating and pursuing their own agendas, Amen. nor too tolerant, embracing strange fires upon the altars of this nation, accepting everything while lacking convictions to your truths. These leaders will keep their spirits quiet and in tune yes. with you. Hallelujah. We thank you, Father, for leaders that are in tune with you. Amen. And hear the Amen. voice of God. Hallelujah. They have self-control of their passions, which wield great power and strength in times of great difficulty and great expectations. May all our government authorities quickly obey your voice of instruction and leave fleshly wisdom and familiar counselors outside the camp. Give them your anointing to increase their spiritual influence in the work environment. May all political appointees ascend Capitol Hill and assume their offices with clean hands and pure hearts. Give them your light and your truth to lead us to the rock that that is is higher higher. than us. Hallelujah! Father, may we forgive. So, Father, right now we choose to forgive those who have transgressed and stirred up and contaminated waters that were once clean and pure and flowed from your throne into our land. Those who have taken the best of themselves and trampled and despised the blessings you gave to us when you ordained our great nation. May we awaken and shake ourselves from the dust of their pollutants and sit once again in a dignified place. When our ways please you, you will fight Hallelujah. And even our enemies must live at peace with us. So thank you, Lord, for leaders who carry your plumb line in their pockets so our foundations will be repaired and fortified and our political offices will compromise the watchmen of the Lord. We thank you, Father, for the people that you have called to sit in office. 
in the United States yes. of America. Yes. Father, raise up your righteous ones yes. who are under your authority before they become a governing That's authority right. while That's in office. Right. We ask you to keep them clear-minded, yes. looking forward Hallelujah. to the days of Amen. your visitation. Encourage your people that godly leaders are on the way and as we resolutely separate the precious yes. from the vile, Hallelujah. we return to you in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Glory to God. See, you pray the will of God. You pray what you want to see. You don't pray against people. Hallelujah. Now, some of you have been called to pray specifically for education. Form, I mean, if you don't get but one person uh, to come into agreement with you, start praying for the educational system. Uh, some of you are, uh, are economists. You, you work in uh, the area of finances. And I'm praying for God to raise up people that will pray for the economy so that our economy will, not, will no longer be based in fear. Amen. Our country needs to quit printing counterfeit yes. dollars. Yes. Hallelujah. Some of you have been called to pray specifically for the church. Get together with people. Talk to people. Get educated and pray for the churches. I prayed that yesterday. And some of you have been called to pray for families. Do you know that the divorce rate has gone down? But do you know why? Because couples have started living together without marriage. That's why it's gone down. We've got to pray for our families. We've got to do this. God is wanting to give you an assignment. Not one person has the time or the spiritual divine energy to cover all of this. But together, collectively, we're seated together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, far above principalities and powers and the rulers of this world. We are seated together. And all things are under his, his feet, and we're the body. Well, glory. I want to tell y'all, we, we have to leave after Brother Randy's speaking today. So if you want books, I want to tell you, get them. As soon as, as uh, Brother Randy is, and the Lord is through. <laughs> Glory to God. Thank you. Thank you for letting me have this time. And I, uh, I would apologize. I, am, I, am, I do apologize. I don't think the Holy Ghost always makes us go over. I've heard a lot of people blame the Holy Ghost with that. But I, don't, I, I think he respects time. Hallelujah. Thank you, Pastor.